0: Take me back when I was a kid Never had to worry about what I did But I'm a man now What's the plan now? Gotta get it done No time for fun now Take me back when I was a kid Never had to worry about what I did But I'm a man now What's the plan now? Gotta move on Those days are gone now Who the F is Mike Young? Would like to thank our incredible sponsor Blue Team Ain't nothing funny about a commercial disaster or renovation project. Blue Team handles all aspects of construction, roofing, and disaster recovery for commercial property owners and operators throughout the US. No company comes even close to Blue Team. Blue Team handles the projects from start to finish so our clients can focus on running their business, and that is no joke. Call the experts at Blue Team at 855 522 2583, Blue Team. Anywhere, anytime. Mike Young is sitting here with his mom for the first of what we hope to be many, many podcasts. I've told my mom many times she's got a point of view. She's over 70. There's a whole world out there of people, men and women in their 70s, 80s, not listening, living life, and they need to hear what it's like from one of their own. And my mom, because she has a strong attitude and full-blown panic attacks when nothing is wrong, I figured, you know what, Ma, we need to talk to people, okay? So I'm introducing you to Gail Young, my mom. (laughs) She's already panicked, but we just took your blood pressure. What was it? 131 over 50, I think. Perfect. Perfect blood pressure to do a podcast. And this is the first of what will be many. And mom, don't <laughs> take the mic and I'm going to ask you the questions and don't worry if you can, can hear us. All right. <laughs> yeah. Now, how old are you? 74. 74. We're up here. We're up north. It's a little warm outside. You got a little panicked. You thought something was going on, but you took your blood pressure and it's perfect. Correct? Correct. I think it's time we stop panicking and maybe we start just giving yourself a schedule, right?
1: Yes, because I'm bored.
0: You are bored. <laughs> so, boredom causes you to think uh-huh. too much, which causes you to potentially panic.
1: Well, this, this epidemic or whatever the hell it's called, the pandemic.
0: <laughs> I've
1: never baked so much and cooked so much in my life. <laughs>
0: By the way, if you want to get my mom's Mondo Bread, it's unbelievable. It's some of the best. It's known all over Charlevoix. Mm-hmm. I tried to get you to start a company for your Mondo Bread because everybody loved it so much. But you decided against starting a new company. Well, because so, there's,
1: there's no money yet. <laughs> so now you're a banker? What do you mean there's no money yet? There's no money. What you have to charge for it, it costs you to make. Really? Yeah.
0: Mono bread is expensive?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really? You, you can't sell it for, like, $2 a piece. you got to sell it for something that people are going to buy it for. So up here particularly, they're not going to pay more than, let's say, 10 pieces for $8. Really? So if you cost it out, yeah. Because I did it once. I sold it with the bakery. I sold it over at Scobee's. I did.
0: I know. I think I helped you package it yeah. up. And I think we went over there. We
1: did. And sold. they sold it. But... There was no money By the time I gave him his cut And what I made It was like four dollars I (laughs) could have
0: It could (laughs) be See my mom comes from an Entrepreneurial hustling family So they're always thinking Let's cut the cost Let's get the money down Now something that a lot of
1: Babysit cheaper Better than that Make more money babysitting Maybe you should start babysitting (laughs) Hell no I did that once
0: Yeah but Raised kids It's enough yeah, but the nephews love hanging around you, and it's not—it's not even babysitting. You really—you like—you like kids. Oh yeah, I, lo- are- I love kids. That's a fact.
1: I like good kids. I don't like bad kids. Well, yeah, that's but- not true. I actually had a lot of bad kids in my classes that were um, nobody else wanted them, but I happen to like these kind of kids because I know you can straighten them out. All they need is some t- attention.
0: All they need is a little love. Right. So tell them them where you worked for 25 years and why you had the kids you had, you know, what kind of kids you had. I worked with special needs in Southfield schools
1: for 25 years. All kinds of kids, learning disabled, emotionally disabled, severely emotionally disabled. All sorts of disabled. All kinds of stuff. But I loved every minute of it. And And I love to see those uh, successes that these kids have had. Many of them have done very, very, very well. And some of them have not done so well.
0: <laughs> some of them are still getting letters from prison. Right. There's a couple that are still in jail. Oh, I'm sure. Tell I am me, sure. So, Mom, 25 years in the public school system, and you were teaching special education at the time. And it was in the 70s, 80s, right? Mm-hmm. 70s, 80s. Yeah,
1: started in 70, I'll tell you right now, 75 to 2000.
0: Right. So you had at that time they were sending just all kinds of kids into special ed who were actually smart kids, hustlers. Oh yeah. Kids that just didn't have great attention. They weren't like
1: right. They they, they labeled them and then they then they like trafficked them into these special needs classes. And a lot of these kids in the beginning actually were very very bright kids, but the teachers had no patience. So they would traffic them into these special needs classes, and um, actually hold them back. I think, because I know if you expect something from these kids, you get it. If you expect nothing, that's what you get.
0: That's exactly. That that makes total sense. Even in the school system that you were in and the classroom that you had, I mean, what was it like teaching kids that were? I mean, and I don't want to call them. You know, you had some hot. My mom had kids that were on the top 10 most wanted list. She had a kid that became a pimp. She had girls that were pregnant in class. Oh
1: yeah, I had girls that got pregnant and had 3 kids by the time they graduated high school.
0: Right. But the one thing I always noticed about you with the kids was cuz I would come to work with you once in a while. I know. And the one thing I noticed even when I got older is I would see like a drug dealer kid of yours who was like I'd see him somewhere I was hanging out. Maybe I was in a strip club one night on an Yeah, you lot. were. And I I would see one of your kids, right? And the first thing out of their mouth... Here's a kid in a fur coat and a gold rope chain, right? Knowing that he's in the streets doing what he's doing. But the first thing out of his mouth was, Yo, how's your mom? (laughs) Yeah,
1: he promised me a mink. I never got it. (laughs) I know, and I remember when (laughs) you... His name was Pete. We don't have to say his last name. No, we will not. Because I love him. He was the best. I actually... The teacher that I worked with was a jerk, and he wanted to fail the kid. And I would take the uh, report cards down to the office, and I would change the grades because I knew the teacher never even looked. So <laughs> so you were
0: cheating as a teacher.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> he wanted to fail this kid for no good reason other than the fact that the kid was like, you're a mother, you're a son of a bitch. Right. And he was right, because the guy was... A, a, he was a molester, actually, this Hi. teacher. Yeah, so I called the mom and I said, Listen, I know Mr. So and so wants to fail him, but I'm going to tell you right now he's getting a C in this class because I just put it on his report card.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah,
1: I don't, you know, there's no reason. Why would you put an E on somebody's report card? You didn't even teach him anything. The guy used to sleep underneath a desk, the
0: teacher. Really?
1: Yeah, we used to catch them sleeping underneath the desk. We used to only hope it should follow them.
0: When you see stuff like that going on, and you, you've talked to hundreds of kids in your in your yeah. teaching career, hundreds have come through your class. What do you think it is that most of these kids need? Do you see? Do you see that a, a tough house, you know, a tough home life, is more affecting these kids than a learning disability? With
1: oh yeah, most of them have one, uh, single family homes. Most of them, um, you know, the moms are working hard trying to get these kids through, and they have no guidance, you know. They have as as much guidance as the mom can give, but she's torn seven different ways. She's got to make a living. She's got to feed these kids. She's got to work full time, and that's a big issue, you know. And it's, it's not like they're bad parents. They just don't have the way out, you know. They're not privileged. And even some of the kids who were privileged had lousy lives, you know. Just because you have money doesn't mean you're not being abused. And that's a fact, you know. And, and I remember a bunch of kids who felt that this teacher was abusing them uh, emotionally and, and physically. He would take them to a, a, a health club And they went in and talked to the principal who did absolutely nothing. And years later, he got held accountable, got thrown out of the district and wound up, I think he was at, I think they hired him back at like Eastern Michigan or something. And the swim coach at Southville, at at one of the high high schools, Um. was abusing these kids and Nobody knew it for years, and then these kids finally went up. I think in front of the board or something, and that was the end of his career. But it was years and years of that kind of thing. Really? Oh yeah, it's a fact.
0: And these kids didn't come out till later, and like, like.
1: Post. Well, they tried to, but nobody would listen to them. It wasn't like it is today, when you know, you you say something, and they follow up on it. These people were afraid of their bet. Ba- their God knows what. You know, that he should have been gone the day he was hired.
0: That's so sad.
1: And some kids became, honestly, because of this became druggies, you know. They had no self-esteem and they were great kids. They just were wow. taken advantage of, you know. It's, it's so sick in the public school system. I mean. Oh yeah. It, it wasn't just the priests in the private schools. It was everywhere.
0: There's no account- There's no vetting.
1: There's no vetting.
0: There's no vetting of personalities of teachers. It's right. like you go get a degree, you get hired on a meeting, they don't do any like real social no. analysis of you, right?
1: And it might be that these people didn't have a background like that before they got hired. You know, they could have they could have um started, started that when they started teaching, you know. Maybe they didn't do this in high school or college or whatever in the in the day, but a lot of them did it.
0: Did you have any favorite kids that were bad in the streets but good in your class? Like that just like you kinda of had an affinity for?
1: Yeah, like Pete and a couple other kids, yeah. I like some I like kids that were um yeah. Characters. Characters. Like funny. Fun, good guys, you know, they just didn't like off the the authority in the schools, you know, and the principal, God bless his soul, he used to say, Gail, you need, I need you to do something. We'd have an assembly. And he'd say, Walk up and down the aisles, and when you see these kids talking, go sit next to them because they'll stop. <laughs> I said, I felt like the Gestapo, <laughs> you know, but it worked. It worked. You know, I slept all these kids into the office and say, I can't stand if somebody's talking on stage and kids are being disrupt- disruptive, even if it's an adult in a, a show. I mean, just shut your mouth. Right. You know? So he'd say, Gail, do me a favor. Walk up and down the... the and I wasn't a qualified teacher. I didn't go to college. <laughs> <laughs> I was what they call a... Uh, what was I? A paraprofessional.
0: Right. You know? So
1: that means not a professional. <laughs> right. No, I was like... You were a teacher's assistant. Yeah. But then they called us paraprofessionals because we all went to school. We all, we all had, I think, the equivalent of an uh, associate's degree. Because we had to take some classes to become a parapro right, and uh, so that's what happened and and I loved every minute of it and I was fortunate enough to work with some the ladies who I had who were my my uh teachers, teachers the teachers mm-hmm. in the classroom were fabulous ladies, fabulous teachers, and they didn't have an ego that said, you know gail don't I don't want you up here doing this and that We would go okay, today I'm going to teach math, tomorrow I'm going to teach social studies. We would, you know, bounce off of each other, and we had the best time ever. It was, it was fun. And then one year um, we became, you had, if you wanted to sponsor a class, you had to take them up from freshmen to seniors. So I was a senior sponsor. I was from freshmen all the way up, and then we made the senior prom, and all these kids were funny. They thought we were really dumb. And we're at the prom and I look under the table and then I'm with dad, you know, and and Pat and her husband. And underneath the table, all these bottles of booze, you know, (laughs) and these kids think they got something over on us. I go, what are you, stupid or something? I can see and I can smell, you know, or or they'd be smoking a cigarette in the john, you know, and they think you didn't know, but the ventilation system would come into your room. I mean, one time there was kids smoking dope in the, in the girls' bathroom, and the biology teacher was raising little quails. <laughs> that was not fun.
0: The quails got hints of the weed coming Oh, up I'm quails. sure,
1: I'm sure. And we would watch these kids hide, hide um, marijuana up in the, the acoustic ceiling tiles in the bathroom, and my friend and I would stand in the hallway just laughing and watching these kids hide it. And, like, ten minutes later, all these kids would walk into the bathroom. You know, like they have a bathroom. And, and, you know, and then they'd walk out. And I'd go, this is really pretty funny. I mean, you think, they think that you're blind, deaf, and dumb.
0: Hilarious.
1: And that's a fact. I mean, I know. I mean, that's exactly what was going on.
0: Right. That's why we couldn't get anything over on you, even though by the time <laughs> I was 30, I thought you never knew that I had tried anything. I thought you never... I thought you never knew that me and Rob had done any you know dirty work. <laughs> I figured we just hi- we hit it, and we were so amazing at hiding it, but then
1: so I dumb. do s-
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: you think Dad and I were like stupid. We no, knew we just- exactly what was going on. How many times did I call the police on you, kids? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I might have had the only parents <laughs> in the neighborhood who would call police on us. right. But why?
1: Because you were being way too loud in the middle of the summer, and my thing was, you know what, would you like me to come over there or maybe the police? And I knew the police, and they knew you kids. I mean, they were some of the guys had been um, liaison officers, and I, I had a really good rapport with them. So I said, <laughs> do me a favor, coming over. And I, and I could hear them down the road. I could hear them like four blocks away at Jennifer's house or something. And I hear them say, okay, guys, come home, go home, go home. Animals. I knew
0: every time I saw a police car drive by a friend's party at night that you and Dad had called the police. Oh, you bet that. But what was your mentality? Was your mentality like, let's just get the kids home to sleep? Yeah. Or was your mentality like, let's arrest these animals?
1: No, get them out of the house. They're doing something they're not supposed to be doing. In one of the houses that you were at, the mother allowed it. And the, the upshot of that was, I'll never forget it. Dad and I went over there. We said, get home within, like, you know, two minutes. And we call, I called the police, and the police went over there. And, and in the meantime, some kids had gone into her house and robbed her. Oh. And she was home. So the police ended up solving a crime? No, they didn't solve it. But she, you know, they got, she got robbed of her jewelry and stuff, and she deserved every minute of it.
0: Right, let's not say that. I would never.
1: I would never.
0: (laughs) My mom was setting up robberies in the neighborhood.
1: (laughs) No, these kids, I remember there was a basketball game between the two high schools, and all these kids got together. And they're all good kids, except a few of them, you know, that didn't belong (laughs) there. But they just, one time, down the street from us had a party. And Dad and and I went over there, stopped the party because my the people who lived there, the, the adults who lived in the house. I don't know if they're out of town or somewhere. No, keep talking, keep talking. And, uh... Hold
0: on. Hold, pause. Pa, where? Oh, it's FedEx. Savorful. Keep going. Oh, that's,
1: you know what that is? That's for you. Yeah, nutrition
0: bars. Sorry. So you guys go over as narcs. Yeah, we stopped, we, we were, instead of going,
1: I saw these cars on our, on our street, and I said, instead of going to the left to our house, go to the right. And we went over there, knocked on the door, and the one of the kids who lived there, whose party it had been, I see her running up the stairs. I mean, I, they have see-through <laughs> glass in the front window, and she's running upstairs, and then I looked downstairs, because it was tri-level, and there was um, my cousin actually was there, and a, Stevie. Oh yeah, and he was scared to death. Going, don't call my house, don't call my house. But we got rid of all of them. And then, unfortunately, <laughs> got rid of all. Of them. Unfortunately, that same night, kids came back to the house and trashed it because she was supposed to be staying
0: at a neighbor's,
1: but she wasn't
0: so you already had the gut instinct of get these kids home nothing good can happen afterwards because you i always want to know that <laughs> the complexity to me ma is that all these hoods who are gangsters real live hoods in and out of jail they got gone they're real street guys they love you they respect right. you because you're no nonsense right but then you also have this this narc <laughs> part of you that felt and i want to know what you were thinking like I had a friend that was smoking pot. I didn't think he was, like, doing anything so crazy. But you called his mom, and you told her that your son's got a, a weed problem.
1: No, we, no we were at so school. You- we were at school when I called his mom. She's a teacher with me. And he was in the classroom. But the night before, the couple of days before, I had seen him out somewhere, stoned out of his tree. And his mom was a real... Anti marijuana, anti drug advocate, great lady. Great lady. Great lady. Okay? So I tell her the story. I said, listen, I'm, I'm not narrating to, to get him killed. I just want to let you know that you know, this is what's going on. So she called him out of class. And um, that wasn't a good move for him because he was.
0: That wasn't a good move for anybody. Did you? <laughs> did you
1: have any so, so of the bottom So the bottom line was. What happened was, she had a brother living with her, and the brother, who was a grown man, was providing the marijuana and crap to the kids that were living in the house. Her kids, she got three kids. Yeah. And so that was the end of that.
0: So you stopped an internal house <laughs> drunkard. <ring>. congratulations. <laughs> but did you have any, see you would have never had any thought of this because <laughs> you wouldn't know that it would happen, but you know for like two years, all my friends were mad at me. Like, all my buddies. Well, then they were not good friends. <laughs> They're like, your mom's a narc. She narked on your buddy. Now he's he's going to rehab. I don't even know if he... Did he have to go to rehab?
1: I don't I think, think he, he went to rehab. No, but he straightened out.
0: Yeah, so you had all my friends not talking to me for a while. Big deal. <laughs> did you like my friends growing up? Yeah. There were some you liked, some yeah. dad didn't like. There was some of my friends that Dad was just like, I don't, I'm just not feeling him. Do me a favor, don't bring them around. And it's really interesting because Dad had a good gut instinct. Right. His street smarts were next level. Right. And he was right. The friends that he wasn't feeling turned out to not be the best friends. He just knew early on. Right. It was funny because Dad had a, he had a soft spot for like guys like Lee, who was a maniac, who you don't, you know, who, who's got I've no known demons. since he's six year old. You
1: know. He's a nut when he's six.
0: Right. I'm saying dad liked him because he woke up every day and went to work. Dad took the work ethic and was like, he has work ethic.
1: I'm and he working. hasn't worked in <laughs>
0: 35 years. Oh, God. <laughs> we don't have to, I didn't say his name. Do you remember when you put me and Rob on a bus to a basketball game? Yeah,
1: with Roberta. For Southfield High. Down to U of D. And they, and they try to um, shoot the bus or something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my mom puts us. She puts the, the your te- Southfield High is going to be in the regional championships or regional tournament. Yeah. They're doing great. Down at U of D. Me and Rob are in middle school at this time, and we want to go see a basketball game. So she puts us on basically a dangerous prison bus. No, it wasn't. <laughs> the
1: bus. Roberta was the chaperone.
0: No, she, there was no chaperone. You put us on the bus, and you told my friend, you told Roy and those guys to look out for me and Rob. I don't remember any. No, Roberta was there. Because right, I, I, I don't remember any no, adults on that bus. They would remember, have. They
1: had to have an adult on the bus. You have to just. Ha- it was not like a unspe- uh, unchaperoned event. It was. It was sponsored by the high school, and she was the um, the chaperone. Because well, I, I remember her calling me and saying, "Gail, you won't believe this. You know, thank God nobody got hurt."
0: Well, no, a couple of people did get hurt, but it was like people we didn't know. But like we get the bus got jumped right. at a stop sign right. in Detroit, Right. and they jumped the bus. They fired bottles and rocks in there, mm-hmm. and they wanted to break in and try to like rob oh, everybody right. on the bus. But the bus driver wouldn't let them in. But excuse me, I remember everybody ducked down. Yeah. And this girl got hit with a rock. I remember out of nervousness, Rob, it was like Rob or Roy, just started laughing. But like it was like a scary moment. On the bus? On got the hit bus. by a Yeah. It was a scary moment, and then Southfield lost by 52 points. <clears throat> and that's when we thought Southfield was great, but then we saw a team that was really unbelievable. But did you, at the, what year did you retire from teaching? 2000. And was that just a, did do you regret retiring from teaching? And did yeah. You?
1: I, I would have loved to gone on, but um, the whole system was changing as far as a uh, pair of pros in, in that so I had the most seniority of anybody in the, in the district by then and I remember all these girls waiting for me to, to retire because they wanted my position because I loved what I did you know. and so it was a different ball game when I retired I, at the end, the very end I, wasn't in a, I was in a classroom but I was a one-on-one with a young man who had um, muscular dystrophy and he was confined to a, real, a wheelchair. And I said to the principal, I, it's not fair to this kid. You know, it's not fair that he has a woman schlepping him to the bathroom and doing everything for him. You need to hire a male. You know, yeah. it's not fair. So that's one of the things that happened. And, and part of the thing that really pissed me off beyond, beyond was when we had a fire drill. Southfield High did not have a uh, student elevator. It only had a freight elevator. And in the freight elevator, it says, like, no students, no, you know, it's just for freight. So, not only a fire hazard, has, hazard, if God forbid there was a fire in the building, you couldn't use the elevator, right?
0: Right.
1: So, I hear, I have this kid, he's taking a class upstairs. And the only way for him to get upstairs is on the freight elevator, which I would take him, you know, and the teacher was very nice. And we wanted to move our, the classroom to downstairs for his accommodation. And um, I even called the fire chief. And the fire chief said, let me tell you what to do. I said, okay. He goes, train a couple kids to carry him downstairs. I said, no, let me tell you something. I'm not training anybody's kids to take on that responsibility. That's illegal and ridiculous. I said, I have kids that age and I would never let them do that. So they didn't like me because I had a big mouth. But they did, I mean, so wind up, they took this class downstairs, you know. Uh-huh. And this kid was a great kid and he was, I don't even know if he's still around. He had a young mother who was working her tush tush off, and she was living in those god-awful apartments on Franklin, you know, and she was schlepping a wheelchair, you know, those big manual. Yeah. She's a kid. She was 32 years old, and every morning she had to schlep the goddamn thing. So finally, I got a hold of, or somebody, I'm not sure if I called or one of the teachers, and got a hold of somebody for muscular dystrophy and got an electric wheelchair kind of thing for the kid, you know. It wow. was wrong. I mean no and nobody was doing anything, you know. That was when they started, you know, everybody had to go to school, everybody had to be I- inclusive, but you have to accommodate these kids. It's not fair for
0: these kids. So anyway,
1: so that was I think that was when I when I retired that year. Yeah.
0: It seems that there would be so much money in like the unions or like ways to help public school systems, but is it just because there's no...
1: First of all, school? now the unions are gone, pretty much. Teacher unions? You no longer have to belong to a union to teach. The best thing that ever happened to us, particularly the pros, was the unions, we were part of another union, and that's how we wound up with benefits and all that, you know, sick days and retirement... But before that, before we were in a union, we were, I started at, in 1975, making 250 an hour. That was dollars and fifty cents <laughs> an hour. Yes. And the only reason I got a, a raise was the guy who was in charge of special, was it special and no Title One program. He needed he needed a uh, a chair, a chairperson. For For uh, Title I, so he called me one night and he said, "Listen, I need somebody to chair this thing it's really not a big deal it's just I have to have it in writing. you know He said, "Would you do it i said i 'll make you a deal. You give me fifty give us fifty, 50 cents an hour more, and i 'll do this for you so that 's how we got three dollars an hour this is before any union, before any unions and then finally the we were accepted by the union. I think it was like the, the custodian and bus driver union or something, because the teachers union didn't want us. But we wound up doing okay, you know. And the, then those of us who became teacher assistants and then wanted to go up to be a parapro, the district was nice enough to um, accommodate us and have teachers come from Wayne and give us classes. And it was great. You know, and, and then you wound up making more money. So it was nice.
0: And you guys had great you had a great, great health benefits.
1: Yeah. The, it, yeah, the, it was worth the benefits for me. I never have paid an insurance bill except right now, you know.
0: Right.
1: So you kids were you were on my insurance and daddy until you were twenty six and then, you know and it's probably the best insurance in the world.
0: Is that just because that, just that union just has a great policy yeah. and they just protect theirs?
1: Yeah. I don't know if they still have, I know they don't have the same, but when I was working, you paid a very minimal amount. Now we have Blue Cross and Medicare, you know, which is okay because we don't pay a lot either. Right. But that's, that's um, medical and dental and vision.
0: Huh.
1: Yeah, it's a great insurance.
0: When we, when the first house we grew up in was tiny. 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 How many square feet was the house that we grew up in?
1: Not Maybe 900
0: square right. yes. feet. But we didn't know that we were poor. We didn't we all know. We were, had the most fun you could have. Yeah. We had
1: Two cardboard ba- boxes in a big uh, black backyard.
0: That's all you need.
1: Right. And a sidewalk, and a school playground, and kids in the yeah. neighborhood.
0: Yeah. We had the best time, and we didn't right. know. We, we
1: flooded we- our backyard and had a skating rink. Totally. Yeah.
0: I remember putting my skates on and going in the back and skating Uh there, and Dad sitting there with a hose, just literally flooding the backyard for the winter. Right. And the Wolfsons were behind us, and they played hockey.
1: Right. And we had the candy man next door.
0: Yeah. Was Dad always trying? I know every man wants to make more money, and he's always thinking ahead, and da-da-da, but like, we went through three tax... I would say we went through three (laughs) tax brackets. Like I watched Dad make... We had no money when he worked at the club, but he had the most fun. Right? Right. Yeah. And that was when he worked, when we were on Red Leaf, that, he was at the Southfield Athletic Club then. Right? right? Yeah. And the South Southfield Athletic Club, for people who don't know or, well, you've never heard this podcast, this is brand new, but tell them, give them like a little gist of the yeah. club. I, I, I can say it. There's nothing to be scared of, but- it's Because they're all dead. No. Most of them are, most of them are dead. But the South Athletic Club was a legendary club in Southfield, Michigan that was owned by mob associates and underworld figures, but it was a very, it was a well-known men's club.
1: All men. It was one of the only men's club, I think only ever, anywhere. Yeah. All men. And they want, I know one time women wanted to come in and they go, Well, come on in. We're not going to make any accommodations for you, but you're more
0: than welcome. (laughs) Come on in and watch the heads of organized crime naked in a a, a jacuzzi or in a steam. But
1: there are a lot of good people there, a lot. I mean, all the athletes, all the entertainers that came into town were there. It was a lot of fun. And I would go all the time and bring the kids there for breakfast or dinner because otherwise they wouldn't see their dad very much. And then on the weekends, they would allow the kids to come and go in the back and play racquetball and swim in the hot tub and then the cold plunge and all that. It was a lot of fun for them.
0: The characters at that club were the Uh, best. I always say that I I became a writer because of the great characters that uh I got to see around Dad. Yep. And I knew that they were characters growing up, even though I couldn't articulate what I was seeing. Right. I just knew... Here's this guy that plays for the Pistons, and then here's this like super wealthy, you know, lawyer guy, and then like here's like this underworld figure who's kind of scary and doesn't say a lot. And then you grow up and you find out that like, you know, it's it's an epicenter of the underworld of Detroit at the time. Did Dad not not appreciate it, but like did he know where he was kind of like sure he from did. jump street like he just yeah. knew what he was getting into,
1: sure, and he loved it he loved the fact that he was with athletes because he loved at you know sports yeah, and uh, people loved him I mean he they hovered around him he was you know he and al Kaline were like two brothers, they were together all the time, and it's the funniest thing because al was on that TV show um
0: uh, all star, ABC whatever. Yeah, yeah.
1: and he had all these, all the stuff from there and then daddy would borrow his, his, t- his shirts from there Yeah, and he wore them so much that I wanted to make him into rags <laughs> and one of my girlfriends said you have a shirt of his? I would, this is a way back, she go, I'd give you $300 for that I said, honey, it is a schmata which means it's a rag I said, I tore it up you know, I, I never cared about all that stuff. But he used to take you kids over there into his trophy room and all that stuff, you know. Yeah. I remember I remember having lunch with him and dinner with him and I remember people coming up to our table and saying, could I please have an autograph? And he was such a gentleman, he always say, I'm happy to do that, but I'm having dinner. Can you come up later, after dinner? Yeah. And one lady came with like 50 placements and she wanted a, a Thing for every kid in the neighborhood goes, oh my god! But he never, he was never outwardly wanting to say, get the hell out of my way, (laughs) you know? Al never. He
0: was a mench and a half, Hall of Fame baseball player, one of the greatest to ever play the game, legend. And growing up, you know. Me and Rob just looked at him like, "Oh, Dad's friend is so cool. Everybody right. like knows he's the best baseball player." But we didn't know statistics at the time. Right. We didn't know how legendary he really right. was. But when Al Kaline goes to your bar mitzvah and like <laughs> pops up somewhere, or you know what I mean, you're kind of like the coolest kids in the neighborhood. Even though everything you say sounds like a lie. Like it. Yeah. Rob and I used to always we still talk about it because Dad had like these like celebrity friends, right? The pro athletes.
1: Yeah, we There's had no Chicago problems. at our house. We had uh, we went everywhere. And my dad and my dad, my husband went to every concert. He sat backstage because his very good friend, legend, legend Freddie, and, and uh, they're best friends. They would go to every concert, and Freddie was a doctor of um, Pine Knob at the time, so he would take care of all these stars, and my husband would go. And he'd crack up He went to see Who was the guy that used to Ozzy Osbourne Yeah
0: He come I remember he came <laughs> home and He goes, like, I just saw Black Sabbath I'm like You mean Black Sabbath He's like Oh the nicest guys These guys are really nice guys But I remember dad Dad just didn't He, he was didn't never, care He didn't care He was never enamored No yeah. he, he just liked to hang Yeah It was fun If they were nice people He would love it
1: You know But if they were schmoes But no It was fun
0: yeah, I think Rob and I. Some obviously, I got the entertainment bug. Being even though even though we're in Detroit, Detroit is not like L. A. or New right. York or Chicago right. or Broadway. It's like we're like in a small town, Southfield. But we had like these amazing big time moments because of Dad. Right. You and Dad. You, you know, it's funny. It's like when you kids were
1: younger and used to hang out with all these people. I remember one time. Al and Daddy went up to, I think, Ford Motor Company. Al had to do something kind of a thing. And he introduced Daddy as Willie Horton. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, but I th- find it funny because when you kids were younger, you barely ever told people that, who you knew and what, you know, how, what our lives were. And my grandkids are the same way. They have met many a celebrity in their day, and they're young, and they never tell their, grand, their, their friends anything. They've been in movies, they've met a ton of people, and I say, why don't you ever say anything? And they go, because nobody would believe us, and we don't care.
0: I know. Yeah.
1: So they're very much like you and Rob were, you know? Yeah. It's like, who cares? Keep it in
0: your heart, keep it humble.
1: I think that's... Right, because I doing doing people think people like think, people think, you know, that you're fancy, no, you are not fancy. I remember going to Vegas once and saw Buddy Hackett, and his show was so hysterical that after the show, I said to my husband and my mother, who was with us, I said, "I'm going to call him and tell him how good his show was." It was a wonderful show, and then he did some poetry, and it was really moving. And so, anyway, I called him, and we had a whole. They put me right through to him at the hotel, and we had a great conversation. It turns out that he was good friends with people that I knew in Detroit. And he said, listen, I'm doing a show in November at the Fisher. Please come and see it and come backstage. So we did, and it was awesome. It was just awesome, and he was just the nicest, nicest guy. I one time was on an airplane, and and, uh, Don, Don Riddle sat next to me.
0: I remember you told me.
1: Yeah, so I had a whole conversation with him
0: about you. You How know? crazy that you mm-hmm. sat next to Don Rickles, and then years later, I mean, that was when I was just starting comedy. Yeah. I remember he you told he me.
1: Was he was so he, funny. If you ever saw his show, he was so funny. Oh, yeah. I mean, he would probably be, be blacklisted today. Oh, yeah. Stuff he'd say. Oh, <laughs> oh my, my God. God. It doesn't matter. He didn't care if you were white, black, purple, or orange. He was funny. I mean, Daddy and I would go to Vegas, and we'd always have really good seats. And one time, we did when we were going to see him for like the third time, we said, let's go sit in the back a little bit, you know?
0: You do not want to get talked about.
1: We didn't want to be <laughs> talked about. I remember when we were with Lenny and Joni. Oh, wow. <laughs> we had such a good time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: You saw us. You went to Vegas a ton with Dad. Oh, I've probably been there a hundred times. Because every year, basically, I felt like you and Dad were just going off to Vegas. Yeah, we were. And it never cost you guys really anything <laughs> Nothing. to
1: Nothing. Zip. Zip, zero.
0: Dad might have been the only person who could go to Vegas. Never counts. gambled. Never gambled. Never. Ever. No. He never gambled. mm But still got to go to Vegas. I feel like secretly Dad was like taking a suitcase <laughs> and dropping it off to somebody. No. Nope.
1: He had no money. What are you talking about?
0: But the guys oh just loved them so much that they would just like give them a room, give him
1: a Well, because way back in the day, in the good days of Vegas, it was owned by some people from Detroit, some other. You, it was not uh, corporate owned. No. So if you got comped, let's say we, Mom. Daddy and I, Daddy and I got comped many times at the Dunes, many times at. Um, Sands. No. Uh, Frontier.
0: Uh, Caesars.
1: Stardust. Um, Aladdin. Aladdin Aladdin was owned by a guy from Detroit and we never had to pay a nickel and I remember one night one day we were there with neighbors of ours and they also knew the guy who owned it and our our, our what you call it, our luggage got lost and so we were, we were waiting in our rooms for the luggage to come and our neighbor said you know what, I'm going downstairs I'm going to gamble a little bit and then we'll go down to see at this uh, store called Susie Cream Cheese. And we'll go, <laughs> we'll go buy whatever we need. So we're like, okay. He came by, back up. He won some money. And we're about to go. And then damn luggage showed up.
0: <laughs>
1: but we saw shows that you can't even today. We saw a show. You and LV used to have a fundraiser. okay? Uh-huh. And that fundraiser would be like Frank Sinatra. Dean Martin, uh, Todi Fields, who was by far one of the funniest female comedians on the planet, and a whole bunch of people. I mean, where do you see a show like that anymore? Never, I don't care who's out there singing whatever, they will never have the staying power that these people had because they didn't appeal, these people today don't appeal to like universally to everybody. But um, we saw some just fabulous shows. And I remember one year we were at Valleys. We had you kids. Maybe. And we took you to see the, the, the titty show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Follies. It was yeah, the follies, follies for sure. You're right. And Robert was probably 16. Yeah. And I remember he got the giggles. He started
0: laughing so hard. Oh. <laughs> it was
1: hysterical.
0: Isn't it ironic? That, it's not even ironic. It's like you put us on this path, right? You, like you guys yeah. exposed <laughs> us to this crazy, fun, amazing stuff for a kid to see. Right. And I was like, because I'm trying to untangle. I mean, I knew I wanted to be a comedian because I always thought I was funny, even though you didn't think I was that funny as a kid. I always saw... <laughs> I thought you were funny. No, but I always thought I was a class clown. I, I loved comedy. But I'm, I'm thinking, like, part of me must have just wanted to hold on to the life that we were we had fun as a kid. We did have fun. We did. You we know? Did, we did. And it was funny because when I moved to LA and I became buddies with like, you know, some celebrity friends and they were going to Vegas and, mm-hmm. you know, it would be like a, a friend's birthday party and we'd be taking a plane to Vegas and we'd be in this suite and everybody would be like, oh my God, this suite. But I would never tell them like that I was in a, like the Elvis suite when I was like 16. We were
1: in the uh, Frank Sinatra suite.
0: You yeah. Remember? Yeah. But, but I, yeah. I just would never really bring it up. And I had a blast with my friends. Big right. time. But they didn't know that like twenty years earlier.
1: I've been yeah, there done that.
0: Been there, done that, and at the craziest, highest level. Like I remember sitting in the room with dad's friend and like in walks the president of Caesars, you know, and just what do you need? And they gave us, they gave me and Freddie Jr. these little cards to eat with. I just remembered like, this is your card. You don't need <laughs> any money, no cash, this is just your right. weekend. You just show them this. We were I was 18 years old and I was just like Thing ever. Every every meal, Freddie and I had steak and lobster. (laughs) Every meal, just a stomach. That was a nice
1: suite. That was a very nice suite. Oh, yeah, it
0: was an incredible suite. I was in there with Emmanuel. I mean, you know. So when my dad worked at the club, he was friends with Emmanuel Stewart, who was the legendary Kronk boxing trainer, and had 14 world champions out of Detroit. And his and my, my dad's other best friend, Freddie, was also the doctor for the fighters. So he was the doctor to all the champions and also the rock stars that came through. So just from that core, right? Rob and I had carte blanche. Right. it went on for years to the point of, like, past college, I, I still had the guys, like, at Bally's and Barbary Coast and
1: seas. Oh, right. Barbary Coast. I remember that.
0: And all I was dreaming about every time was I just want to play Vegas one day. I just want to be able to play Vegas. And you did. Yeah. Many times, but it's just, it's cool to unwind those memories, you know.
1: I remember once I was staying at, uh, where was I staying? I was there for a fight, for a James'
0: fight. James Tony. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I was staying at the valleys, I believe, yeah. And our friends were staying at Caesars, the guy who was a real monkey-muck with Caesars. And I called him, and I said, he said, where are you? I said, I'm across the street. He goes... Stay right there. I'm coming across to get you. You're staying with us. And that was in the Frank, uh, Frank Sinatra suite. Yep. He came across. I had a chit for like, um, oh, some, some uh, chips. So he took my, my chit, bought, my, bought the, 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 uh, got the uh, chips, yeah. played them out. He said, let's go. We're out of here. He said, go pack your stuff. We're out of here. The limo take took us across the street. It was a Frank Sinatra suite. It was this guy. There was like four guys, four guys, and I was the only woman. And Emmanuel was one of the guys. And this guy said to me, do me a favor at the fight, because we're all sitting together. Because don't tell my wife when you get home. Don't tell my wife that you're with us.
0: I said, why would I tell her, and why would she give a damn? Because you're, you're like a, one of the last of like the, you're not a nerd, Ma, at all. But you're like, you're, you're a good, they would have called you a good girl back then. You, don't have, you didn't have the thought of like Never. Why would
1: I want to go out with those guys? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> not on, actually what happened that, what, there was a kid, a young guy that was in, in the place. And he was, I don't know, for some reason, he was in, in the suite. And he was watching porn, and I'd never seen porn. <laughs> this just took a turn.
0: What? What are you talking about? Yeah.
1: He was watching some On the big crap. screen? Yeah, on TV. I said, what are you watching? He goes, you don't want to watch this. I said, what <laughs> is it?" All right. All right. That was that. But no, it was, a great, it was a great experience. I mean, I had great fun. I mean, we would go to Vegas. It cost us nothing for airfare, nothing to eat, nothing to go to a show. Way back in the day, to go to a show, like
0: a a, a dinner show, was like seven fifty. That's unbelievable that you can go see a show where potentially later on that night you see Sinatra, Sammy Davis, and Dean Martin, and you've spent ten dollars.
1: You know, it's funny because I went, I went, and I that was the, the night that I called Buddy Hackett. He said, "Listen, Jimmy Durante is performing at whatever hotel." He said, "Let me get you tickets." He said, it's probably the one of the last shows he'll ever do in his life, because he was much old, you know, he was old. And he said, I, I think you would enjoy it. So we did go. He comped us. We saw the show. It was fantastic, you know. And there was, I think, my, it was my brother, my mother, and myself, and, and
0: dad. Wow. Yeah. Wait, was Durante doing comedy? Like, was yeah, you doing he, was, song he,
1: he was the... Um, he was the headliner. Yeah, he did everything. You've never seen him?
0: I mean, I know what Jimmy Durant is. I, I don't. I don't know what his act was like though.
1: Oh, he did song. He did comedy. He was one in a million. You know that was that was old school. You know, they're just it's like when Tony. When you see Tony, saw, saw Tony Field. You, she was amazing. Right. Amazing.
0: I got to YouTube some of her stuff. I, I've I've looked at her before. Oh, I know please. She's amazing.
1: No, we had, we had a lot of fun. I would say that. Did have a lot of fun.
0: I feel like fun was the theme of most of our... It was. Or, or just having fun. Because right. We, on the we flip did. side of fun, and by the way, I don't want anyone to think that we just had a... F- our right. life's been all rosy. You know what I mean? Because on the flip side of fun, and then we'll get into some of the serious stuff in the next episode. I just want to do this one first episode to kick off. This is my mom. She's 74. We need... Trying to, to get to B75, trucking to B75, <laughs> taking blood pressure every day just to make sure she's not panicking. She doesn't do well in the heat, even though she's fine. You're 100% fine, it's just hot up here. But I just wanted to kick off this with the, with the intro of like you know where you worked, some of the history with you know dad at the club. And I think in the next episode we're gonna get into like where you came from, Detroit. You know, what I mean, growing up, seven brothers and sisters. Poor as can be. They were not poor. We were No, not but not poor. poor as can be. But like, well, you told me you, you, you called it a limousine, but it was just a car. To no, it was it was a, lo- a limo. Well, then we need to untangle some of these some of these stories. No, it
1: was a 1949 Packard limousine.
0: Because growing up, Robin, I always thought like, oh man, Grandpa must have been so rich. He had a Packard limousine, and he had seven kids that he fed. Yeah. But Grandpa just hustled to make sure he fed everybody. Right. No, because way
1: back in the day, I don't even think there were station wagons. And that's why he bought this car off of somebody. Somebody from the Free Press or something. Mm -hmm. Anyway, and and that car could accommodate us. It would take, there was nine of us, and my aunt and uncle, and their two kids. Would get in that one car? Oh yeah. 12 of you? Yeah. Don't forget, eight, there were no seat belts. So you got three people in in the front, Four people in the back back seat, three two people on the jump seat, right. and then the back of the car there was a ledge where, you know, the back window? Yeah. Well, way back in the day there were no seat belts, and you, you, kids would sleep. We'd go up there, we, we'd want that seat, because you could lay back there.
0: Right, you could sleep back there.
1: Right. No, we had a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Now, fun has been the running theme in our family. Even though the irony is that we've had a ton of tragedy yeah. in the family. I mean, like we, most families.
1: We spent a, we spent a whole summer, <clears throat> every summer until I think I was thirteen, um, at a cottage, at a little lake out here. And uh, I don't know what my parents paid for the cottage for the for the summer, but the cottage was a clapboard cottage. It was like uh, Tobacco Road over there, you right. know. <laughs> it was a three bedroom, one bathroom cottage.
0: Did other families have cottages next to you guys? Oh
1: yeah. The rich people had some cottages next to us. They had a beautiful brick beautiful homes. Right. You know, but we didn't have that. But but we had 60. but we had so much fun, who cared? Right. You know. Right. We had a little 5 horsepower aluminum boat.
0: I'm ready to buy one of those up here. We just need a boat.
1: Oh, speaking of which,
0: I got a call to call see if they found my my uh, yeah. Okay. Um, um, all right. Listen, Ma, this, is, this is this is one hour into episode one. We don't know what we're gonna name this. It, it might be called Mike Young's mom. F- for the mothers out there, um, maybe call it you know Gail, Gail, Gail Young. A new another generation.
1: Looking for a good guy.
0: So yeah, on the next episode, we talk about dating in your seventies.
1: Oh, Nosy, you.
0: you. Terrible. It's the worst So we're going to talk about dating in your 70s And we're going to talk about Where you came from in Detroit But this has been A a great episode Thank you and we're going to have a name for it I'm just not positive what we're going to name it Goodbye Take me back when I was a kid, never had to worry Take about what back, I did. But I'm a man now, I was checking out, gotta get it down, no time. Take me back. When I was a kid, never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now.